everyone, and welcome to this episode, which has been a long time coming. (laughs) I have been asked by many of you to share about my fertility and pregnancy journey, and I did a post about it on Instagram, just looking back in May, saying I was going to release a podcast, and now here it is September, and I'm finally getting around to it. I've shared before that motherhood has surprised me in so many ways. One of the main ways it has surprised me is how not ready I've been to go back to work in the capacity that I was working before and also just how tired I am. I mean, sleep deprivation, I see why they use it as a form of torture. So to all my fellow parents out there, especially the mamas who are up nursing in the middle of the night or anyone dealing with sleep deprivation, I've, I've dealt with it before when I've been going through something or dealing with anxiety, my heart goes out to you and I'm with you at those two, three, four a.m. times when all you want to do is sleep. And I know this is a season and my priority really is Athena and being a really present mom to her. And I love my work and I love my purpose and I love my mission and I love all of you. And I'll release another episode probably with Steph on the birth story and also just on parenting and what we've learned so far and what's really surprised us uh, because nothing really can prepare you for parenthood. You know, we had lots of friends who are parents. I have nephews. I've seen so many people go through it. I've coached parents for years, but until you have a child of your own, (laughs) nothing really prepares you for the change. So So I'll talk about that in another episode for those of you who may be interested in, especially those of you who are parents and sometimes have guilt over some of the grief you may be experiencing because it is such a a big, big, big transition. But that's for another episode. Today, I'm going to speak about getting pregnant easily and naturally in my 40s. And my intention is to share information that may be helpful and also inspiring. I know a lot of you may be feeling that biological clock. You may be hearing from doctors or friends or your mother or whoever that, oh, you're getting up there in age and your window of having a baby is closing and you might feel pressure. You might even be trying to talk yourself into a relationship that isn't quite right because you feel that TikTok of your biological clock and you want a baby and you're like, well, we'll just make it work. And when it comes to fertility, I think there's so much more that impacts it than our chronological age. Now, I'm just one person. I am not an expert on fertility. I'm clearly not a doctor. Everything I share is just my personal experience. I'm not here to take a stand on anything. Like if you do this, you're going to get pregnant. If you don't do this, you won't get pregnant. I'm really just sharing what I think. And really, I should rephrase that, sharing what I know really worked for me. Now, fertility and pregnancy is such a tender and personal topic. So for anyone out there struggling with pregnancy losses, difficulty getting pregnant, just know that my heart really goes out to you and you're not doing anything wrong and there's nothing wrong with you. You could listen to this episode and be doing everything that I did and still not get pregnant. And that's not your fault. And it doesn't mean, again, you're doing anything wrong. There's so much in life that is unknown. And I believe we definitely have some control over our destiny. There are some things that we don't have control over. And sometimes we have to accept that. And I know for me, there have been so many times I've tried so hard to make something work the way I wanted it to work 
or create a result or accomplish a goal the way I wanted to create it. And I've fallen flat on my face and had many expectation hangovers when I've held on so tightly to the way that I wanted it to be. And so a big thing for me and my fertility journey was surrendering, was really, really letting go of any attachment and trusting what was for the highest good. Now, I will say right off the bat, I didn't do any fertility treatment. Well, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. In my 30s, I did freeze my eggs. I went through two IVF cycles. Well, I didn't do the implantation part, but two cycles of getting all the eggs and being on all the hormones and getting the eggs out. So I basically did IVF minus implantation and it was expensive and it was emotionally challenging, but I really felt like I don't want to beat myself up later in life. Now, the ironic part is I didn't end up using them. I got pregnant naturally and having those eggs though, I think gave me a sense of security. It gave me a security blanket. Now, frozen eggs aren't a guarantee. Sometimes they're not viable. Sometimes they don't last. Again, not an expert on IVF. But knowing that I had those in my back pocket, I think really helped me let go of some of the worry and some of the sense of urgency. Because if there's one main thing I've learned about fertility, it's when we are stressed out, when we are depleted, when we are worried, we are anxious, when we're in that fight, flight, or freeze part of our brain, our body isn't really open to getting pregnant. I mean, think about it. Like if pregnancy is all about growing a human being and having another human survive inside of us. And if we're in survival brain, if we're in fight, flight, or freeze, and we're super stressed out and our cortisol is really, really high, then the body's going to go, I can't get pregnant right now. I'm barely keeping myself going. I I can't possibly get another human being going right now. Like I need to just shut down. And so when I talk to women about fertility and I've worked with many women who have struggled with it, stress has been a massive, massive factor of why they're not getting or staying pregnant. And I know for me, I think if had I tried to get pregnant in my thirties, I probably wouldn't have because I was so stressed out all the time. I was on planes all the time. I was drinking a lot of coffee. I wasn't sleeping super well. I was just focusing on building my business. I was just all over the place. My stress level, my cortisol was really, really high. And now in the past several years, especially since we moved to Austin and I've been married and I've slowed down my life a lot, lowering that cortisol and lowering those stress hormones are a big contributing factor to getting pregnant. And my pregnancy with Athena wasn't my first pregnancy. So the story is I was on the fence about having a baby. I was conflicted about it. I wasn't a clear yes. Now you may think, well, you froze your eggs. You must've really wanted a child. It was more about, I was recently divorced and I was in a lot of fear of running out of time. And so freezing my eggs was a way that I dealt with a lot of the fear and concern about the future. But once Steph and I got married and when we, when we met, both of us asked each other, do you want a baby? And both of us were open to it, but it wasn't a deal breaker. And I knew for me, especially seeing so many of my friends go through really painful, agonizing and long fertility journeys that I wasn't up for that. Like maybe I tried to use my eggs if I didn't get pregnant, but more than that, I knew I didn't have in me to do. And so we, we talked about getting pregnant for a while. He was a yes before I was. I had a lot of fear about having a child. My main 
fear was worry and anxiety. So I tend to worry about people I love (laughs) and it hasn't stopped no matter how much work I've done. I've accepted it as part of me. And I really battled with, do I want a child, someone I'm going to love so much, so unconditionally and worry about for the rest of my life? Like, can my nervous system handle that? Can I handle that? So I, I was unsure, not because I didn't want a baby, but because I didn't know if I could be the type of mother that I wanted myself to be. And that is a vulnerable thing for me to share because I've done so much work on myself. And I also know myself and I know how I'm wired. And I also didn't want a child to have to deal with a mother who was worrying about her all the time. So I had to work through that fear and I had to get to a place inside myself where anxiety and worry wasn't running the show. And the transformational event was the beginning of 2021 where Steph and I went to our second Joe Dispenza week-long advanced retreat. And I made the intention of that retreat to get clarity around motherhood, to really step into that role and see how I felt. And I got crystal clear that I wanted to do it, that I wanted to open up to it, that I, and I felt, I have felt Athena, her soul around me for, since 2018, ever since Steph and I got together, she started popping in and I've just kind of been like, ah, not ready. No, not sure. (laughs) Don't know. And at that retreat, I got super clear that I was all in. And I think that's a big part of pregnancy and fertility, like really getting clear as to our why. And this may be a mm, controversial or triggering thing to say, but I'm going to say it. I have seen a lot of women want a baby because they want love. They want purpose. They want meaning more than they actually want to be a mother. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when we have our own unresolved wounds, especially with our own mother, or we never felt like anyone unconditionally loved us, or we felt like we haven't found our purpose or meaning in life, it's like, oh, this baby can come along and it will love me and I will love it and it will fill this void. A lot of that is subconscious, but it it happens. It happens a lot. I see it a lot. And I wanted to be clear that I wasn't having a baby for me that I was really having a child to be able to be of service to that child and usher her into the life that she's here to live. Now, of course, as a mother, there are things for me. There's so much joy. There's so much love. I get to fulfill that mother archetype, but I really had to get clear as to my why. Like, is this feeling any void or does this really feel like a yes in terms of part of my life's calling? And the answer was the latter. It it didn't feel like I was feeling a void. I didn't feel like anything in my life was missing. That was the key. Nothing felt missing. I wasn't aching for it. I was open to it. I was, there was a longing for it, but there was also an acceptance that I could be totally okay if it didn't happen. So anyway, back to January, 2021, I got super clear and I happened to ovulate right after that event and got pregnant in January, 2021. And we were shocked because it was the first time we tried. And I was especially shocked. I thought it would take a few months and we were really excited and we, we kept it quiet. And then at around a little over eight weeks, we went to a friend's birthday party. And since I was eight weeks, I, I couldn't help it. Like I was so excited and 
I told, started telling people and everybody was so excited. And then that night I started spotting and went and got a sonogram the next day and there was no heartbeat anymore. And then a week later I started the miscarriage process, which is a process and is a death in so many ways and is devastating. I was absolutely devastated. I was heartbroken. It was very physically challenging for me. And then the postpartum, like the hormonal drop that happens when you have a pregnancy loss is really intense. And so that was hard for me to to find my way out of as well. And there was so much shame that came up around the pregnancy loss as well, especially because two of my best friends here in Austin, we were all pregnant at the same time. We, We were all due within a week of each other. And their two pregnancies carried on. And of course they're in their thirties. So all my stuff around, I'm too old. It's not going to happen for me. What was I thinking? Happens for everybody else, but not me. All that kind of stuff started coming up that I had to face and, and work through. And shame about my body not working and shame about telling so many people and then having to tell them that we lost the baby. And it was a very lonely process as well. And there were a lot of things said to me that didn't feel good. You know, I had people say to me, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be, or it wasn't that soul's time, or it'll come back. And really all I wanted during that pregnancy loss was just compassion and empathy. And so if you know anyone who's going through a pregnancy loss, or if you've been through one, just know that what you most need to hear is that your feelings are really valid and the grief that you're experiencing is really, really valid. And so grieve it and feel it. And I allowed myself to do that. I allowed myself really to grieve. And, you know, some people said, oh, well, it was only eight weeks, but I felt such a strong connection to that little soul and the the pregnancy loss and especially the physical process of it really was hard. And so I gave myself that time to grieve and that was really important. And Steph and I did a ceremony where we buried some of the remains with a couple offerings in our backyard. And actually what's really beautiful is we planted it in this row of bushes and the bush that we planted it under, that bush is so big. It's just full and it's flowering and it way, way overwhelms all the other bushes in the row, which I just think is a, just a beautiful gift. And I look outside my bedroom window and I, I remember that little one. And I don't know if, you know, if it was Athena and she came in once and was like, Oh, not quite ready. And then left and came back. I don't really know. It's not for me to know. All I know is that was part of my initiation into this whole fertility and pregnancy journey and opened my eyes and my heart to women who experience pregnancy loss, because it is very, very common, very common. So many of my friends have had a miscarriage and then got pregnant or had a couple and then gotten pregnant. But just because something's common, doesn't make it any easier (laughs) and doesn't take away the grief and the shame and everything that comes up. So that was a big moment for me, a big process for me of being so excited, opening up and then feeling like my body failed. And so I took some time. I took three months and then Steph and I decided, okay, we are going to try for this year. We're only going to try until December and then we're going to surrender that having a baby isn't for us. We'll talk about whether we want to use my eggs or not, and maybe we'll get a dog if it doesn't happen, because I really didn't want to spend years and years trying. Again, that was just my decision. So three months after the pregnancy loss, I was feeling really good. I was feeling good in my body. I was feeling accepting either way. And so it was summer solstice, 
and there was a lightning storm and I was ovulating and I was like, okay, let's try again. And it's very interesting because that night, the night we ended up conceiving, it was almost as if I could feel a third presence in the room. I could feel like she was, she was coming in and I knew, I knew I was pregnant. I knew I was pregnant a week later. I could feel it and I kept it to myself. I didn't even tell Steph, but I actually had a positive pregnancy test like nine days after we conceived. So it was, it was strong from the beginning and that was Athena, you know, that was Athena. So it was a relatively compared to so many other women's journeys. It was a relatively easy and graceful process for us. And I truly believe that age, I said this before, is not the number one factor as to whether or not we conceive or not and, and bring that healthy baby to term. So that's the story up until getting pregnant. That's how it all happened. And now I'll share a little bit more about why I think it did happen. And again, I'm not saying that if you do this or don't do this, you will get pregnant or will not get pregnant. I'm just sharing my personal experience. So number one thing is I have done a lot of work. (laughs) Integrity is one of my core values. I really, with all my heart and soul, intend to walk my talk. I don't just teach and preach this stuff. I really live it. And since my early 20s, I have been doing emotional release work and trauma work and healing generational patterns and working on all my limiting beliefs and somatic stuff, you name it, I have done it. I really cleared a lot of space out. And I do feel like so many of the souls that are coming in at this time are wanting a clean slate. They're wanting not to come in with a lot of generational trauma. They're wanting parents who have really unpacked a lot of their baggage and give them a clear, clean slate as much as possible. Now, I'm not saying I'm walking on water here. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I still have my stuff come up. So does Steph. But we both have really, really done our work. And that more so than anything I'm about to share, I think is the number one reason why we got pregnant. There wasn't a lot of unconscious baggage in our way. There wasn't a lot of trauma in our way. There weren't old generational patterns that we were still playing out that we'd play out with our child in the way. We really opened a space for her to be able to come in and be her and do her work. And people have asked me, you know, what's your number one intention as a mother? And I've said to get out of her way, to, to not impose my way of being or any of my stuff onto her to really give her a clean canvas to be herself, be her fullest expression. And again, all that emotional release work that I've done and trauma work that I've done has shifted me cellularly as well. If you follow people like Louise Hay or, you know, the book, The Body Keeps the Score, there's so many things that manifest as physical blocks, as physical symptoms, be it endometriosis or PCOS or irritable bowel or any of these things that can impact fertility. And they 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 can often come from unprocessed trauma, um, held in emotions, unresolved wounding. And so by clearing so much of that out, we really create new cells. Like we, we, we change our physical structure. And I know for me, that's why I think I haven't aged as much as my chronological age is because I've, I've put such an investment into that emotional, psychological, mental clearing out. And so, so many of the things that could have resulted in physical symptoms or aging prematurely or any of those things haven't because I've been so steadfast 
and so committed to my personal growth and my consciousness. So that's the number one thing, more so than any supplement I took or any diet or any cleanse or anything else I did. It has been the deep work, the work that we're committed to on this show. This is another reason I decided to host my Women's Signature Retreat again. I did one in 2020 and I thought that was going to be my last. I really, really did. But after having Athena and just seeing the importance of this deep work, I just felt this huge call to do it again. And of course, the retreat isn't just for women who want to have a baby. It's, it's not about that. It's about clearing out any emotional baggage, any unresolved wounding. And the work that I teach at this retreat is the work <laughs> that I did that has changed my life in so many ways. And getting pregnant and having Athena is just one of the ways my life has really changed and transformed. I wouldn't have the career that I have, the marriage that I have, the health that I have, the friendships that I have, had I not done the work that I teach in the signature retreat. So there's still time to register for that. It's the first weekend in October here in Austin. Just go to christinehassler.com slash signature retreat. It's going to be epic. And you can go back and listen to Coach's Corner where Jill and I talk about that. And I'd love you to join me because it's the only live event that I do. But I'm just going to land this plane because I've said it so many different ways, so many different times. If you are someone specifically who is dealing with any kind of fertility or pregnancy challenges, I encourage you to maybe take a pause from trying to get pregnant because it can be a full-time job trying to get pregnant and stay pregnant and really look at, hmm, is there some deeper work to do? Is there some trauma to release? And I know you're probably thinking and even saying to me or even cussing me out right now saying, I've done that work, Christine, and I'm still not getting pregnant and it's still not working. I hear you. And I want to say two things to that. Number one, I believe you. You have done the work. And maybe there's an acceptance that you need to get to inside yourself. And if you really, really want to be a mother, if you feel that calling, know that there are many ways you can become a mother without just having your own biological child. If mothering is really what you want, there are ways you can do that. And you might just have to surrender to the form and the timing of that. And the second thing I want to say, because I'm one of those people that when a coach calls me out on, you need to do more work, that I'm like, I've done my work. And I, you know, put my hands on my hips and stomp my feet on the ground. And I've done that. And when I go, oof, maybe there is a little more. And I surrender to the fact that I am human and that there are deeper levels to get to and maybe there's more stuff to unpack, then that's often where I find the gems. Now, all that said, I don't believe that we have to be working on ourselves and working on ourselves and working on ourselves. And again, there's nothing wrong with you if you want to get pregnant and you're not, or you're not staying pregnant. Nothing wrong with you at all. And all of these kind of challenges, these expectation hangovers, as I call them, are often opportunities to look inside at what needs to be healed at a deeper level. So I just encourage you, if there's resistance to doing quote unquote more work, I just want you to look at that. And perhaps the more work you need to do is not so much trudging up the past and doing all the emotional release work, but maybe the more work is about really setting the intention to be joyful and grateful and glass half full and really looking through a different lens because personal development work isn't just the trauma and the deep stuff and the crying and the hitting pillows and screaming. It's also consciously breaking patterns and looking at where you're in patterns in your life that are getting you the same result and how to shift them. 
So it's not necessarily more work, it's different work. So be open to what that may look like. Okay, I think I landed that plane. <laughs> Let's continue. So the next thing that I think really helped me is I don't say my age or identify with my age. I heard Christiane Northrup years ago say, I think she was promoting her book, Goddesses Never Age, or I'm probably getting the title wrong, say, just don't say your age. Don't identify with it because it's just a number. And the more you say it, the more you identify with it. Like I notice even now, the more I say, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, the more tired I am. So I really, I heard her say that probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I took that in and I was like, I'm just going to forget my age. I'm going to stop thinking about it. Cause I was in my thirties and I was worried about getting too old for a partner and too old for having kids. And I'm like, ah, I'm just going to go on how I feel. So I forget my age. I don't really know my age unless I really think about it. I just don't identify with my age. And so I encourage you, like if you are getting freaked out about a number on your birth certificate, let it go. Focus more on how you feel. And if people ask you how old you are, just say, none of your business. (laughs) Or sometimes I say, do you want my chronological age, my emotional age, my spiritual age, my physical age. And because I do believe that we have all different kinds of ages and the number on our birth certificate is in so many ways inconsequential. Now that said, I am living in reality and I do know that biology does play a factor and that as we get older as women, our chances of getting pregnant can decrease and do decrease. And there comes a point in time where it's not possible for us. It's very different from men. I've heard Alison Armstrong say, that's the one area where men and women will never be equal is in terms of fertility because men can be fertile pretty much all through their lives. And women, we, that just doesn't happen for us. So I understand that. And I acknowledge that. And I understand it is a factor, but like I said before, I don't think it's the only factor. And I think that as long as you're ovulating and as long as you're having healthy cycles and as long as you're physically healthy, why would there be a reason why you couldn't get pregnant? Now, of course, once we go into perimenopause and hormones start changing and we're not ovulating, then, you know, it's a different story. But as long as you have a healthy cycle and you're ovulating, to me, you're fertile. And that's how I looked at it. And that's the other thing. I got very in touch with my cycle. I really understood my period, my ovulation cycle, I could tell. I didn't need a kit to let me know when I was ovulating, but those are good. You can go out and get those. I knew I could feel it. I was in tune with my body. And, and so much of the personal development work that I referenced earlier was around my sexuality and was around any trauma I experienced there, any hangups I had there, and any disconnection I had from my womb and my ovaries and my uterus, because a lot of women, we carry, we carry a lot there. We carry so much there. And so I had to clear that space and I did tantra work. And I did work with a sexological body worker and I did so much meditation and so much work around really coming home to my own womb and being grateful for my cycle and understanding the rhythm and the flow of my body. So that when it came to conceiving, I knew exactly when I was ovulating. So my invitation for all of you women listening is to look at where you may still be holding things in your womb. You know, we hold sexual trauma there, sexual shame there, our inhibitions, judgments. There's so much. (laughs) There's so much that we hold in that womb. And in conceiving and really creating a vital space for a new soul to come through, we want to let go of a lot of that stuff so that we can have a really clear, 
high frequency space for this new soul to come in. And it's not about going in there with a scrub brush and scouring every little corner and trying to get every little issue out and resolved and we have to be perfect. I'm Please know, please hear me. I'm not saying in any part of this episode that you have to be perfect. You have to be totally healed. You have to do all this stuff in order to get pregnant. I am just sharing that my own experience and walking this road with many, many women, the more space we clear out of our own womb, the more we heal, the more likely we are to create that clear space for a new soul to come in. All right. So that was the second thing, I think. (laughs) Didn't say my age. Did a lot of work around my womb. Next thing, I just have had a healthy lifestyle pretty much since college. I was that girl who when everybody was drinking and they're like, oh, have another drink. I'm like, no, I don't really like feeling like shit the next day. I never smoked. I never did drugs. I just lived pretty clean. Now, two things I want to say about that. Let's say you did drink a lot and you did party a lot. Doesn't mean you can't get pregnant. If you're still doing it now, probably not the best idea for your fertility, but I don't want to shame anyone who had a lot of fun with drugs and experimenting with alcohol and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's no shaming going on here. Again, just sharing my story. Part of why I didn't drink a lot or do a lot of drugs is because I had taken a lot of prescription drugs and a lot of painkillers as well. Those of you who know my story know I was on antidepressants from 10 until 30. I was on anti-anxiety medicine in my 20s quite a bit. I had chronic headaches, so I had been taking Excedrin since I was like 10 years old and decongestants and all kinds of stuff. So I knew already that my liver and everything was pretty taxed. So I'm not a holier than thou. I didn't drink. I didn't do any drugs. It's more from the perspective of I already knew that because there were all these other things I was consuming, adding that wouldn't have been good for my physical health. So I share that for two reasons. One, again, don't want to shame anybody who did enjoy drinking and partying and all that kind of stuff. And and second, to give you hope that if you did take any kind of prescription drugs or painkillers, or you drank a lot, or you did a lot of recreational drugs, it doesn't mean that your fertility is ruined. (laughs) It does mean though, that there's probably some cleanup that may need to happen. Again, not a doctor, but it makes sense to me if, you know, I've had a lot of antidepressants, prescription drugs, over-the-counter stuff, my liver's probably a little backed up and my body's feeling that. So I did quite a bit of cleansing and detoxing. I got off antidepressants when I was 30. And so often in my 30s, I was doing some kind of cleanse, some kind of detox, nothing too extreme. I really love food. (laughs) I'm not somebody that can like water fast for days. Cleanses are brutal for me. But I would do a couple supervised. I always had practitioners supervising, so I wasn't just starving myself, so that I was really doing a cleanse in a good way with the right supplements. I also knew it was important to detox just environmental stuff. You know, everything that I had taken in from all the planes I had been on and all the radiation I had been around, all the, you know, food I've eaten that may have heavy metals in it. I mean, there's so much, there can be heavy metals in fish. And I wrote this on my Instagram post and it was very controversial because I I wrote that I also detoxed, starts with a V, I'm not going to say the word on the the show. And that wasn't an anti-V comment at all. I just have looked at the ingredients in those and there's additives. And just like I've detoxed heavy metals from fish that I've eaten or, you know, the -the over-the-counter stuff that I've taken, I just lump that into, okay, what's in my body that doesn't need to be there that I can help move out? 
because there are so many things that contribute to having a toxic environment in our system. You know, even pesticides from organic produce that we can eat. And this is not fear mongering. This is not to put in your head, oh my gosh, like everything out there is toxic and I need to do this massive cleanse. No, it's just about bringing your body back into more balance and giving it an exit route, right? There's so much input from everything we consume, everything we're exposed to. And there's not a lot of exit routes other than going to the bathroom and maybe sweating, you know, if you go for a walk or exercise, like there isn't a lot of just exit routes. And sometimes we have to help the body have exit routes. So some of the ways that I have done that is through infrared saunas, red light therapy, lymphatic drainage massage, cleanses, like I've said, certain supplements, just to really help the body let things go. Some specific things that I did, and again, I don't know if any of these things are the thing, I did do celery juice. Some of you have heard of the medical medium. He recommends juicing with celery. I did celery juice for probably two years. Did it make the difference? I don't know, but I felt really good on it. I also did his heavy metal detox smoothie. I didn't put as much fruit in it as he recommends, but I also did that for probably a year or a year and a half or so. And I think all that helped in addition to infrared saunas. And I'm blessed to have an infrared sauna in my house now, but Back then I didn't, I would just go and pay my 15 to $30 and have my time in the infrared sauna place that I would go, you know, rent my time from. I've just always really been committed to health. I've made it a priority because I know that if my health isn't great, then nothing else works either. And I haven't been in a constant process of cleansing or detoxing or any of those things. I've just put daily things into my life that have really helped that gentle detox over the years. And just like I've detoxed emotional stuff, wounds, traumas, unresolved issues. I've detoxed on the physical level as well. Now you may be wondering, were there certain supplements that I took um, or a certain diet that I followed? Yes and no. I've always been someone who (laughs) has a pantry full of supplements. My standard things are things like vitamin D, essential fatty acids, a probiotic, not just any probiotic, probiotic that really works for me. I think it's different for everybody. Magnesium has been a huge one for me. Zinc. And that's pretty much, those have been my standards throughout the years. Diet-wise, I have been gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, corn-free, soy-free. I think that's it. (laughs) For years. So my diet is pretty clean. It's organic when I can get it. I don't obsess about food or like following a specific diet. I just know gluten is inflammatory for me. Dairy really doesn't work for my gut. Corn definitely doesn't. Soy definitely doesn't. And and sugar, I just don't think is great for anybody. Now, I'm not saying never splurge, you know, go to Italy and have gelato, but do it in a mindful way and do it in small doses. And I, I do really feel like knowing what does and doesn't work for your body is a key component to health and fertility because fertility is a reflection of our health, right? Oh, and one other thing that I took supplement-wise was activated charcoal. That's another thing that can really bind to toxins and help pull things out. Okay, so that's the whole supplement, diet, conversation. Exercise has also been huge for me. Moving my body and not doing over-cardioing. So many women over-cardio, over-spin, over-on the elliptical, over-run, and don't do enough strength training. Strength training for me has been one of the things that I think has kept me fertile and youthful, really doing it properly, 
lifting heavy weights so that my bone and my core and everything feel really strong mentally too. I think strength training teaches us so much resilience. And if we do over-exercise and do too much cardio, that can really mess up our hormones. I know another reason I probably wouldn't have gotten pregnant in my thirties is I was too thin and I was doing way too much cardio and burning way too many calories. And my adrenals were shot and my cortisol was high. The transition I've made to not burn myself out with over-cardioing and over-exercising and doing more strength training and bar and Pilates and listening to my body and not working out when I'm tired and letting myself put on a little extra fat, I know contributed to my fertility. Now, I'm not saying that thin athletic people can't get pregnant. I just know for me, I needed to tone down my exercise amp up my strength training and let my body carry a little more fat so that I actually like looked more fertile too. You know, when I was in my thirties, I had a very kind of thin, more athletic shape. And then around 40, it started to shift and become a little softer and a little juicier. And that was great. And it actually helped me feel more fertile as well. And I noticed how much more energy I had by not over-exercising. The other thing I cut was caffeine. Caffeine works for some people. For me, I love it. Don't get me wrong. Oh, a cup of coffee. But I'm somebody who can go into adrenal fatigue and burn out pretty quick, especially with the level I operate in life. So I did cut caffeine out. Now I'm not saying you have to cut caffeine out. It's about knowing your body. Are you someone who does suffer from adrenal fatigue and burnout? Do you have that wired and tired feeling? Do you have thyroid stuff? If so, maybe caffeine isn't the best for you, but you could be someone that drinks three cups of coffee a day and get pregnant, no problem. I'll say it again. I'm just sharing what worked for me. And I'm hoping that a piece might resonate with you or several pieces may resonate with you. The final thing I'll talk about, because I could go on and on forever, but I think the most important thing to end with in terms of what supported me in having Athena is waiting for the right person to have her with, (laughs) waiting for the right partner for me. There are so many times in my thirties, especially as 40 came closer and closer that I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just settle. Basically. I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to settle, but I was thinking maybe my expectations are too high and I should just take good enough. But something in me was like, no, no, no. Hold out for what you know is possible. Hold out for the kind of relationship you want. Hold out for the conscious man. They're also attracted to hold out for it. And I'm grateful that the pressure of my biological clock did not make me settle, did not make me go into a relationship that wasn't right for me. Because I do think that Athena picked Steph and I together, not just me. She really started to come into my awareness, as I shared before, when I met Steph. And being with the right person for me, remember this is my second marriage, and waiting for that right person instead of letting my age or my biological clock dictate things, really holding to, I really want that relationship of my dreams, I do think is a big part of the reason why Athena is is here today. It's because Steph and I are, are the right match. Now, of course, I know there are many children who've been born to parents who weren't the right match. So this isn't the be all and end all to fertility. But for a lot of you listening, especially if you're single, you're wanting a more conscious relationship. So you're going to bring in a more conscious child. And so you're going to want to wait for that right person and not settle. Now, some of you might think, well, what about doing it on my own? I honestly think doing it on your own 
is even better than doing it with the quote unquote wrong person. So whatever calling you feel, like if you feel more of a calling to be a mother than to wait for an epic relationship, then listen to that calling. For me, I felt more of a calling to really be in that conscious relationship. I didn't want to have a baby on my own. That wasn't something that I thought I could do. And now after having one, I couldn't have, I really have needed Steph and he's such an amazing father and such an involved father, but you have to really listen to what is truly calling your heart. If you're someone who's listening right now and the right person hasn't come along and you don't want to settle, but you really want a child, there are ways to do that on your own. And you can do that. You have to make the best call for you and not take anyone else's advice or opinion or circumstances or story into your heart. You really have to listen to your own heart. It's great to listen to podcasts like this, maybe be inspired, maybe get some helpful information and then really, really trust yourself. Oh, and there is one more thing that I will add. As we decided that we wanted to get pregnant, I did not go out and get any fertility testing done. Had I gotten any fertility testing done, my FSH, my AMH, all those numbers, my LSH, they might've been low and those numbers might've gotten in my head. And so I decided not to go down the medical route and trust and surrender and accept that whatever was in the highest good was going to happen. Because I do think sometimes all that fertility testing and numbers, uh, we can get really in our heads and it can be really discouraging. And sometimes what's on paper and what's possible are two different things. So I really encourage you to trust your own intuition and to lean into that surrender and acceptance even more. Another question that I got a lot is, were there any fertility specialists or experts that I followed or recommended before I got pregnant? And there wasn't, but there is now. And I discovered her after my first pregnancy loss. And she's really the only person that I recommend when it comes to fertility, because I think she's the best both in knowledge and protocol and in compassion and her heartfelt mission to help families have their super babies. Her name is Dr. Cleopatra. She's been on the podcast before. She runs the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. And you can find out more about her at fertilitypregnancy.org and learn more about her awesome program called the Prime Mester, which helps you and your partner prepare for conception and pregnancy. Again, it's Dr. Cleopatra. You can find her interview in one of my coach's corners and her website is fertilitypregnancy.org. She's also become a dear friend and I can speak so highly of her work. All right. So I think that's everything, (laughs) at least everything that I'm going to share for now. I want to finish by saying a couple things. One, I, I don't know if any of the things that I did are the reason that I have Athena today. It could just be destiny. I could have done none of those things, married a different person and not taken care of my health, not done any things that I've done. And who knows, maybe I still would have had the same result. I don't think so. I do think that we play a role in how our life plays out and there are steps we can take to really fulfill our destiny. I think perhaps Athena was always in my destiny, but I had to take these steps in order to really get there. And had I not, maybe she wouldn't have come through. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot I don't know. (laughs) So much more than I don't know than I actually know. And we can only control so much when it comes to getting pregnant and staying pregnant and having a baby. We can always control how we respond to it, how we approach it, how we hold it in our heart, how we define motherhood. As I said earlier, there are many ways to, to be a mother. 
So to anyone out there who's really longing for your family, I just want you to know I feel you. I had that longing too. And you will have it. Longings are our psychic knowing of what's to come. It's like we feel it, but it's just not in our time-space reality. So trust it. Trust your longing. You may have to give up some of your expectation around the timing and the form, and it may not look exactly like you thought or wanted, but trust that it's coming. And wherever you are in your journey, I'm just wishing you a sense of peace and trust. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for allowing me to share my journey with you. I've had a lot of people ask me about my pregnancy choices, why I made some of the choices that I did, why I decided to have a home birth. And also there are some of you that want to hear about our birth story. So we'll be sharing that in an upcoming episode. Sending you all so much love and many blessings. Until next time. 